What is the uh, the biggest threat today to your spiritual health? I am persuaded it is expressive individualism. And uh, moms and dads, I really think the biggest threat to your children um, in the next 10, 15 years and to, your, and to your family is expressive individualism. All of us are going to be doing battle with expressive individualism for at least the next 25 years and probably for the remainder of our lifetimes. Well, God permitting, uh, we're going to consider expressive individualism uh, both this morning and next Sunday. Uh, today, uh, we're going to look at uh, part one, uh, which is um, really looks at what is expressive individualism and how does it threaten God's people. And then God permitting, next week we'll talk about uh, how God's people should respond to expressive individualism. I, I think it's reasonable, though, for, to, for us to start just by asking a fair question, and that is, um, is expressive individualism something that really affects you? I mean, is this something that really should concern you? I think so. Uh, expressive individualism is the worldview that is embraced by most Americans today, uh, especially Americans under the age of 50. And give me just a word here about that word worldview that I just used. That's an important word. Uh, every person, every Christian, every non-Christian, every Democrat, every Republican, every atheist, everyone has a worldview. And a worldview is how a person views or understands the world. So your worldview is a collection of the beliefs and assumptions and goals that you have uh, regarding how you think the world works. It's how you think you should live in order to live successfully. And everyone has a collection like this. Everyone has a worldview. What makes a worldview so important is that it informs, it influences almost everything that a person thinks and does. And at least for us, uh, the best example of a worldview is your Christian worldview. I mean, I, I'm going to trust that you have a Christian worldview, which is the sum total of all the things that you think the Bible teaches about God and humans and sin and forgiveness and morality and being happy and, and so on. And surely your Christian worldview is something like a lens or a tool or a framework that you use to make sense of everything in your life. Well, again, everybody has a worldview. Expressive individualism is the worldview embraced by most Americans today. And I'm going to show you four questions with the answers that may hopefully persuade you of the pervasiveness of this way of thinking. And also how expressive individualism is not just something out there in America, but it's also, it's also leaked into the church. So in 2016, a nationwide survey revealed that blank, I'll let you fill in the blank, blank percent of all Americans, and at that time, that, that's referencing both Christians and non-Christians, that who today are between the ages of 27 and 42, that age group, what percent of all Americans agreed with the statement, whatever's right for your life or works best for you is the only truth that you can know? The result was 73%, almost three-fourths of all Americans thought that. Uh, another question. This is a 2022 survey of Christians who identified themselves as Bible-believing evangelical followers of Jesus Christ. And one of the questions asked, does the Bible have the authority to tell us 
what we must, uh, does the Bible have the authority to tell us what we must do? What percent do you think said no or I am unsure? I'm just shocked. I mean, how can you be a Bible-believing evangelical Christian and then say, yeah, but the Bible doesn't have the authority to really tell me how to live? I guess that, that's expressive individualism at work in the church. Here's another question. Again, a 2022 survey. Ask Bible-believing Christians, is it true that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior does not apply today. What percent said it does not apply? 28% said it does not apply, something that's clearly taught in the Word of God. One last question. Again, the 2022 surveys asking Bible-believing Christians is gender identity a matter of personal choice? What percentage of believers said yes? People can and should choose their gender for themselves because sex is not determined at birth. 37% said that. Now, I I'm giving you all that data just to try to just try to, to to verify to you that look this expressive individualism way of thinking is so widely embraced in America today that often people don't even talk about it it's just normal life in America and that's because expressive individualism is everywhere um people talk about it you see it in advertisements you see it in the lyrics in pop music Children's music, uh, children's movies have this written into it. At your workplace, this is kind of the assumption. Expressive individualism is so pervasive today that it's, it's, it's like living in a place with very, very polluted air. And if you live in a place with very, very polluted air, you're in the polluted air whether you like it or not. You breathe the polluted air, whether you like it or not. M maybe you can't see expressive individualism, but you are breathing it anyways. So is expressive individualism something that affects you? Oh, yeah, it, it affects you. You may not realize it, but it does. And is this really a subject about which you should be concerned? Oh, yeah, we all need to be concerned about this. So what, what is expressive individualism? Okay, let, let me identify five aspects of this expressive individualism worldview that will help us understand this way of thinking. Okay. So first, uh, expressive individualism says that at each person's core are feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. All right, so I just call those your fitties, okay? We all have fitties. The fitties are feelings, instincts, desires, intuitions. And taken together, these fitties are also called the self. And one especially important aspect of these fitties is sexual desire. So it, the rest of this message, if you hear me use the word self, what I mean is the deepest part of you, the so-called real you, where we find the real you. Okay. Second, uh, this psychological core what we're going to call the self, has ultimate authority in human identity. Your fitties, your feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions, are truer and more reliable than your logical and rational thought processes. 
and therefore they must be prioritized over your reason. You've got to live out your fitties. Here, third. Your feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions must also overrule authorities outside of you, including the Bible, natural law, social norms. You must look within yourself to find your truth because you are the only trustworthy judge of what will make you happy. Thus, your inner feelings are supremely authoritative because your inner feelings are the only certain source of your truth. So I don't know, maybe a picture will help. I don't know. Um, when I use the word feelings, what I mean is something like your emotions, things like happiness, confidence, excitement, positive self-esteem. When I speak of your instincts, these are your natural reactions to something. Instincts are not the result of careful mental processes. They come from your gut instead of your brain. So they're sometimes called your gut feelings. Sometimes when we act on instinct, we'll justify the action by saying, it just feels right. Your desires, those are strong urges of wanting something or wishing for something to happen. Uh, they include desires for wealth and comfort. They include desires to be respected, to be valued. And expressive individualism claims that your most basic desires, the ones upon which your happiness is most dependent, are sexual. And all this means that expressing your fitties, expressing your feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions, um, expressing these things means expressing your desires for approval, your desires for happiness, your desires for sexual gratification. Intuitions. These are subconscious ideas that your brain pops into your consciousness. Now, intuitions are not the same as instincts. Instincts are natural, but intuitions are mental. Your gut produces instincts. Your brain produces intuitions. But instincts and intuitions both bypass your reason. Neither instincts nor intuitions involve carefully processing something mentally. Neither instincts nor intuitions measure the complexity of a thing or assess something with nuance. So when we talk about being driven by your feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions, that's expressive individualism, so that's the engine at work in you when you live your life. There's a fourth aspect of expressive individualism. To be a healthy and whole person, you must fully express and satisfy your unique feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. You must live so that your outward behavior agrees with your inner feelings. This, according to expressive individualism, is your fullest and freest life. In the language of today, this is often called being authentic or being true to yourself. And so expressive individualism tells us that human flourishing is a matter of the individual's inner sense of emotional and psychological well-being. You thrive when your fitties are neither challenged nor suppressed. 
Rather, you flourish when you express and you satisfy your fitties. So in other words, expressive individualism says your happiness requires that you be unencumbered, unrestrained in living out your fitties. So see, in an expressive individualism world, the good person is not the moral person. The good person is not the humble person. The good person is not the self-sacrificing person. The good person is the authentic person. The good person is the healthy person who lives out his own truth. He's true to himself. In fact, to an expressive individualism, that way of thinking, the heroic person is the person brave enough to do whatever it takes to secure his own well-being. So see, expressive individualism does more than just legitimize self-expression. It says that we are strong and impressive if we live a life of self-expression. Okay, one last thing to consider about what expressive individualism is. Primarily that it's, it's a political matter. It's not just a personal one. And here's why. Because expressive individualism insists that you violate a person's basic human rights if you hinder the full expression of himself. And now such a person becomes a victim because he cannot fully express his individualism. And that means he cannot be happy. He cannot be psychologically healthy. So expressive individualism says we need laws to protect a person's right to live according to his fitties. And society must punish people who failed to accept other people's fitties because such failures are really assaults on a person's personhood, on their identity as people. In other words, expressive individualism says that your essential nature as a human being is only manifested when you live authentically. And if that's true, which it's not, by the way, but expressive individual says, if that's true, then preventing someone from living authentically is an act of oppression. That's why today we have something called cancel culture, which punishes people who are not woke enough. Expressive individual also claims that the most fundamental of our desires are sexual, which is why our society is doing away with all legal limits on sexual activity. After all, expressive individualism says, only you know what is true for you regarding your sex life. And so an expressive individualism worldview logically approves of homosexuality and transgenderism and legalizes homosexuality and, tra and transgenderism. Okay. So, so, is it always bad to express my inner self and live according to my fitties? Well, the one word answer to that is no. The whole reason we have fitties is because God created them in us. Your feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions are all part of your nature. It's part of how God created you. Adam's feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions were part of what God declared good in the Garden of Eden. And so in the beginning, Adam and Eve used their uncorrupted fitties to love and serve God more fully. 
However, Adam's sin affected every aspect of us, our minds, our wills, and our feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. And so after the fall, all of Adam's descendants were born with sin-corrupted fitties. And accordingly, all men inevitably live in accordance with their sinful feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. Sin distorts and misdirects our fitties. Sin-contaminated fitties do not line up with how God wants us to feel and think. In fact, a fallen man's fitties are often in conflict with how God wants him to live. But when the Lord Jesus Christ saves a person, the Holy Spirit changes the new Christian's nature. The Holy Spirit empowers God's people to reject old sin defiled feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions and live according to new, God-approved feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. Look, this is why the inspired apostle could rejoice that the Christians at Colossae had put off the old self with its practices and had put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so today, Christians can determine to fight uh, what the old Puritan John Bunyan called the Holy War. The Holy War is where Christians put to death the old self. They crucify the old feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. And so regenerated saints are able to live according to God-approved fitties. But of course, we do not live like this automatically, do we? And regrettably, Christians can and sometimes do choose to live according to their old self. And it is always bad for me to express my it's always bad for me to express my inner fitties and to live them out if the Lord Jesus Christ is not governing them. So I suspect it's obvious to you that expressive individualism rejects many fundamental aspects of Christianity. Uh, most concerning to me is how expressive individualism is infiltrating the American church. It's changing how Christians think. I think American Christians are unintentionally constructing an expressive individualism-friendly religion that's not really biblical Christianity. And I just want to emphasize three, just three non-negotiable Christian truths that expressive individualism rejects, okay? So expressive individualism insists that the only authority you should listen to is inside of you, not outside of you. Expressive individualism is founded on the idea that the fitties inside you are the highest authority in your life. But the highest authority in your life is actually something outside of you, namely the Bible. Scripture writes that all Scripture is breathed out by God and proper for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The Bible consists of words breathed out by God. When you read the Bible, you're reading God's exhaled words. That's our authority. 
or Psalm 119, verse 160. The psalmist writes, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. When God speaks to us in the Bible, God is not merely giving us suggestions. His words are righteous rules. They're neither temporary nor optional. That's our authority. Or in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the apostle Paul wrote the church of Corinth and said, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you, which for us is the book of 1 Corinthians, the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. This is the inspired apostle insisting that we regard God's words as authoritative commands. But you see, expressive individualism is founded on the idea that the fitties inside of you are the highest authority in your life. And it says that authorities outside of you, like the Bible, that's no more than just other people's opinions. So expressive individualism says that you determine what is right and wrong for you. You determine uh, things like what you need to secure emotional satisfaction. But listen, we cannot trust ourselves as our own ultimate authorities. Why not? Because our feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions are corrupted by sin. My fitties not only will mislead me, they have misled me more times than I wish to count. Even the new nature in regenerated Christians is still handicapped by sin's remnants. So expressive individualism says that when it comes to truth, you need to look inside and trust your gut. No, your gut is not God. Uh, perhaps the most fundamental truth in the Christian life is that God is the only certain, reliable, and mistake-free authority. As your creator, he alone has the right to govern you. As your omniscient and loving creator, he alone can be trusted to satisfy you and make you whole. So your ultimate authority is outside of you, not, not inside of you. And I, and I think it'd be fair for a Christian to ask at this point, well, what? but the Holy Spirit indwells me, and the Holy Spirit is inside me. Can't I just look inside myself and listen to the Holy Spirit? And uh, the answer is yes. But what does the Holy Spirit do inside of you? The Holy Spirit makes God's word clear and applicable. God directs you through the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit illuminates the Bible so that you understand it. It's the Holy Spirit who makes the Word of God living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. So the Bible, which is the voice and will of God in writing, is our only source of ultimate authority. And so, look, sometimes uh, expressive individualism will lead us into thinking, I know the Bible is God's inspired word. But I think what the Bible says about a particular subject is wrong. So I will reject what the Bible says when it addresses that particular subject. And in that case, I need to trust my common sense. See, I'm thinking that's what happened in that survey I showed you earlier when Bible-believing Christians were asked, does the Bible have the authority to tell us what we must do? And 20% said, no, or I'm not sure. I think that was an indication that at least some of these Bible-believing Christians said there are some subjects out there where I really trust my common sense more than I trust the Bible. 
I, I, regrettably, I, I really think it's more common for us to make a different mistake when we interpret the Bible, uh, namely that we interpret it wrongly. Uh, it leads, uh, I think, expressive individualism leads us to misinterpret God's word so that we persuade ourselves we're obeying God when we're really only living according to our sinful feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. So we don't reject the Bible as wrong. Rather, we distort the Bible. So we tell ourselves it says something when it really doesn't. See, I think that's what was happening back in that survey I showed you when those Bible-believing Christians were asked, is it true that the Bible's condemnation of homosexual behavior does not apply today? And 28% said true. That condemnation does not apply today. I think those Christians were letting expressive individualism influence how they understood the Bible. They were adjusting what the Bible said to what their fitties said. When they should have been adjusting their fitties to what the Bible said. Look, friends, look, look. we do not practice biblical Christianity if the Bible is not our ultimate authority for faith and practice. The mark of a Christian is that he obeys God regardless of what his fitties say. Have you ever thought about how even non-Christians obey God when they happen to agree with him? Christians obey God simply because he's God. This is the second way that expressive individualism is repudiating foundational Christian truth. It enslaves us to our feelings. You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we walk by faith, not by sight. He's characterizing the healthy Christian life. It's a life established by God's word, by certain truths, At the same time, you know, we, we cannot always trust what appears to our senses to be true. Sometimes our feelings, our instincts, our intuitions do not accurately describe reality. And when my senses, my feelings, when they conflict with what God says is true, then the Christian has to say, my feelings are illegitimate. I must overrule my emotions and order my behavior by what God declares is true. In other words, Christians must train their emotions so they're in harmony with God's truth. Your feelings must obey God's facts. Your heart must obey your head. See, that's not what expressive individualism says. Expressive individualism says your emotions are valid if they are sincere. In an expressive individualism world, if I do not feel like I am forgiven my sins, then I have not really been forgiven my sins. And if I honestly feel like something is the right thing to do, then doing it is the right thing. You see... When we think with an expressive individualism mentality, our feelings become the most important thing about us. Our feelings become the truest and most authentic expressions of our individualism. Which is why expressive individualism says to us, it can't be wrong if it feels so right. And because of expressive individualism, Christians today say things like this. 
I do not feel like God really loves me. So I guess he doesn't. I do not feel like obeying God because I don't think it's the wisest course of action in this case. I feel really good about this decision, so it must be God's will. See, thanks to expressive individualism, we, are, we so exalt our feelings that they become our day-to-day -day gods. Instead of us managing our feelings, our feelings manage us. But look, your feelings are not God. God is God. And my feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. On the right, that's a steam-powered train engine that uses coal for fuel. On the left, that's a caboose. In the middle, that's a coal car where they carry the coal with them. You know what happens if you shovel coal from the coal car into the steam-powered train engine? You get where you want to go. You know what happens if you shovel coal into the caboose? All you get is a dirty caboose. That's it. Look, we do not practice biblical Christianity if we trust our feelings more than we trust God. A third and last way that expressive individualism assaults Christianity. It tells God's people not to crucify themselves, but rather to express themselves. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Look, expressive individualism rejects the centrality of the cross to living the Christian life. At the time when Jesus spoke these words that we just read, everyone knew the cross was a place where people died. People who went to the cross did not come back. Their lives ended at the cross. The cross did not merely give people a new perspective on life. It gave them a new perspective on death. In Matthew chapter 16... Jesus said that his followers do not express themselves. They deny themselves. They say no to their sin-corrupted feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions. And in those two verses in Matthew 16, Jesus is saying that each of his followers has his own personal cross that we take up daily. And on that cross, we die to our fallen fitties. Living according to old fitties is over. Instead of living the self-life, we live the cross-life. Jesus' followers lose their old self-centered and self-focused way of living. They say yes to Jesus, to his authority, to his commandments, and they follow him. I am afraid that expressive individualism is leading Christians to replace this old cross with a new cross. The old cross promised a life of self-sacrifice. The new cross seemingly promises more fun and personal happiness than non-Christians enjoy. The old cross required self-denial 
and self-renunciation. The new cross promises self-esteem and happiness. The old cross called people to crucified individualism. The new cross calls them to expressive individualism. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, the new cross offers an improved life. The old cross offers an altogether different life, namely a life that emerges from death. We do not practice biblical Christianity if we do not deny ourselves, take up our crosses, and die daily to our old sin-perverted fitties and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me say something briefly about the issue I've not talked about. What about sensational things like transgenderism? Because indeed, expressive individualism does lead to transgenderism. Well, look, when a majority in a country thinks with an expressive individualist worldview, citizens will accept homosexuality and transgenderism as legal protective behavior. They will. Why? Because expressive individualism insists that nobody can decide what is right for you except for you. So citizens in an expressive individualism society protect the individual who says, I was born a man, but the truth that works for me is that I identify as a woman. I am only authentic when I live as a woman. And look, that is why it was protected behavior a few years ago when a 52-year-old man abandoned his wife and children because he said he was really a six-year-old girl. A six-year-old girl who is trapped in a 52-year-old man's body. And so he walks out on his wife and his kids. He moved in with a family that he called his adoptive mommy and daddy. On a typical day, uh, he lived like a little girl. He dressed in clothing that looked like a child's, clo child's clothing. He played with dolls. He colored in coloring books. When winter came, he needed extra spending money. He actually drove a snowplow, okay? But anyways, on normal days, he's, he's in a child. It looks like a little girl's dress, and he's coloring in coloring books. Yeah, he was being true to himself. He was being authentic. Look, I've not emphasized things like homosexuality and, trans and transgenderism because emphasizing such things can cause people to wrongly dismiss expressive individualism as bizarre. If we simply equate expressive individualism with transgenderism, we can say unhelpful things like expressive individualism is so unnatural. It's so silly. It leads to transgenderism? What reasonable person could possibly think like that? Expressive individualism is crazy. I would never think when expressive individualism mentality. Well, look, it, it's true that expressive individualism first normalized and then legalized homosexuality. That's true. It's also true that it is now normalizing and legalizing transgenderism. But transgenderism is only an especially shocking manifestation of expressive individualism. Before expressive individualism leads to bizarre things like transgenderism, it first leads to things that are much closer to me and you. Like churchgoers who say, I believe the Bible, but it does not have the authority to tell me what to do. Like believers who will only obey God when they happen to agree with him. Like Christians who think, how could it be wrong when it feels so right? 
before expressive individualism leads to something exotic like transgenderism, it first leads to, to little girls dressed like the Princess Elsa in the movie Frozen. Little girls prancing across their living rooms while singing the famous lines from the movie, lines that have become the expressive individualism anthem, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go, let it go. Expressive individualism first leads to church-going Christians who are weary of obeying God. They're tired of being good. And they decide that instead of being good, they're going to do whatever it takes so they can start feeling good. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it, and, but whoever loses life for my sake will find it. Jesus said we must not live a life characterized by expressing ourselves. We must live a life characterized by denying ourselves. And did you notice something in this verse? There's a phrase there that often gets missed. Jesus said we must lose our lives for his sake so that we can find our real and best and most fulfilling life. Did you notice that? See, it's right there at the end. See that phrase? It says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you see that? That Jesus meant the life of self-denial is not an end in itself. The Christian life is not a life where we say no to everything. And therefore we live these grim, cheerless lives. Christians are not people who spend all their time forbidding things and prohibiting things so that no one has any joy. No, no. Jesus meant that the only way to find our real fullest and freest life is to lose our sin-driven life. So we say no to expressing our fallen individualism so we can say yes to following Christ. Look, here's how the psalmist put it in Psalm 16. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Following your sin-corrupted fitties will lead to pleasure. But it's temporary and shallow pleasure. And it will eventually lead to loneliness and dissatisfaction. Following Christ leads to permanent joys, true satisfaction, real fulfillment. C.S. Lewis famously put this idea in these memorable words where he said, If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Look, if you desire only to live out your feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions, your desires are too weak. You're desiring the equivalent 
of mud pies in a slum. You're far too easily pleased. Desire more. Don't desire anything less than fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. And where are those things? In God's presence, at his right hand. So deny your fitties. Take up your cross and follow Christ. There you'll find a satisfying life. Would you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, I rejoice this morning that you know our frame and that we are but dust. You understand our weaknesses. You know our foibles. You know how easily we are distracted, how easily we are led astray. You know how, how alluring the world's way of thinking looks to us. Lord Jesus Christ, please bless us today. Would you please seize upon us Cause us to see your beauty. Please cause us to see your majesty. I pray that you'd give us strong desires to know the joy, the satisfaction, the fulfillment that only you give. Lord Jesus Christ, please save us. Save us from living according to our sin-corrupted feelings, instincts, desires, and intuitions, please. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.